Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Up first, it's Phil Waldrop. He is known for presenting the Women of Joy, Celebrators, and Gridiron Men's Conferences. He returned to the Meeting House recently to talk about getting our focus in the right place. Instead of merely seeking to be happy, he contends we should be seeking to have the satisfaction of knowing Christ. Then it's back to St. Louis, site of the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo, with comments from Patty Reed, who has some Christ-infused words of encouragement for parents of teens and young adults who are seeking to communicate well and to share truth. And on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, the origins of Halloween can still give Christians pause, provide ministry opportunities for churches, and remind believers of the power of the enemy of our souls. Marcus Meekham of Seven Hills Church in Cincinnati delved into the nature of evil in an October sermon weeks before Halloween 2021. You will be hearing him share some of his perspective. Finally, Christian musical artist Jennifer Shaw has become a voice on behalf of adoption, with her and her husband having been involved in the adoption process. Her comments on the value of adopting children are ahead. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. I had the chance to talk with Phil Waldrop, founder and CEO of Phil Waldrop Ministries. He shared information relative to his book entitled Stop Chasing Happy and Start Pursuing Your Purpose, offering insight into finding fulfillment in the Lord. Here now from that conversation is Phil Waldrop. What really inspired you to to write this book telling people, well, stop chasing happy? Well, because every time I would go to churches and in our conferences, so many people walked up to me and they would look me in the eye and they would ask me to pray for them or a struggle they were having. And they always said this, you know, I just want to be happy. And I look at them and say, well, why aren't you happy? Well, and here's what they would always say, Bob, I would be happy if, and then they filled in the blank and person after person, you know, I would be happy if I had a different job, I would be happy you know, if I had more money and I didn't have my debts, I would be happy if I went to a different church. I'd mm. be happy if I had a different spouse. Even one lady said I'd be happy if I had different kids. And I would hear people say that. And then sometimes I would see them a year or two later, and maybe they had a different job. Maybe they, you know, they got a little hit in their finances. And, and I'm like, well, are you happy now? No, I'm still not happy. But I would be happy if. And I came to the realization that every single person I've ever met in my life, whose sole purpose in life was to be happy, never found it. They never got to be happy because they were chasing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Because most of, most of us believe, um, if we're honest, when we're growing up, that if we had more stuff and if we had the right relationships in our life, we would be happy. But, you know, I've been amazed. I've met some of the wealthiest people in the world. I met people who had great marriages, great kids, great grandkids. I mean, they're just, life is wonderful and no sickness in their family, and they're still not happy. But here's what I discovered. I started looking at people that I knew genuinely every day enjoyed life to the fullest. They got up in the morning, and it was, thank you, Lord, and life is great. And so I started talking to those people because obviously happiness is literally you know, can't wait for morning because you get to live life to the fullest. 
And I started realizing not a single one of those people were trying to be happy. So I thought, well, wait a minute. Why, mm. are they, why are they happy? And here's what I discovered. Every single one of them, without exception, had discovered what God made them to be, what God had designed them to do, and they were doing it. And happiness was the byproduct. You know, it's a little, as I tell people all the time, you know, my doctor all the time, I'm sure your doctor as well, tells us to get exercise. And a lot of times people don't realize when you go out and you do exercise, sure, you feel better, you lose weight, uh, your health is better. You know, that's the byproduct of exercise. And the byproduct of going out and fulfilling what God created us to be our purpose in life, when we do that, happiness, what we generally want and think of happiness is fulfillment. And mm. seeing every day as a great day occurs. So it sounds like to me, finding that finding that place in God is so important. So how do we do it? Well, it's true. And here's here's the illustration that I I like to give people is, you know, in Alabama, we love football. So <laughs> think about a football team, for example. Um, every There's so many people who are involved in a football team. There's the team itself. There's the coaches, the water boys, the trainers. There's even the fans and the cheerleaders. Every single one of those people have the same mission, and that mission is to win the football game. As Christians, we all have the same mission, and that mission is to glorify God. But beyond that, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do our part. Now, again, think about a football team. The coach doesn't do what the linebacker does. The quarterback doesn't do what the cheerleader does. The trainer doesn't do what the wide receiver does. Every single person on the team and supporting this team, even the, the fans in the stands, all of them have a mission, and that mission is to win a football game. But everybody has a different role. And, you know, for those guys out there who are nose guards and linemen, they don't get the interviews after the game. They don't get the applause. That goes to the quarterback and the wide receivers and the running back. They're the ones that get the interviews. But the line guys are very important. Ask anybody who's a successful running back, and they'll tell you, give me a great line, and I can be a great running back. Give me a terrible line, and I'll be a terrible running back. And they play a vital role. And the same thing is true in life. You know, it's true. Some people are going to get the applaud and the recognition and the attention more than others. Bill Waldrop here on this edition of the Intersection Podcast. You can learn more at StopChasingHappy.com. Well, you are listening to the Intersection Podcast. It's back now to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo in St. Charles, Missouri. Patty Reed discussed the background and inspiration for her book, Face to Face, Smart Conversations with Yourself, Your Teenager, and Your Young Adult. From that CPE conversation, this is Patty Reed now. It was 2017, and my daughter had just left the, the nest, so we were officially empty nesters. And I was just having that quiet time in the morning, and I felt the Lord tap me on the shoulder and said to me, you know, start writing. And I thought, okay, you probably have the wrong person because I've never written anything in my life. Although I'm very much an equipper. I love equipping people. So we, so the Lord and I wrestled a bit and he won, of course, and I started writing and I asked him, what do you want me to write about? And I felt like he wanted me to write down topics that would be important to parents. And that's what I did. And so I just started writing devotions about different, um, 
you know, different things that parents find important. So face-to-face, -face, would you describe it as a devotional book per se or more of a a, a memoir or Oh, or no, 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 yeah. no, definitely a devotional book. I, like I said, I'm, I love equipping others to really move Bob from where they are to where God wants them to be in life and in relationships. And so uh, it is, it is a, a devotional format. Um, at the end, I have a couple of questions. There's a journaling section because I really like journaling. And then also there is a new possibility section. And the new possibility, Bob, really is about uh, helping the parent either think differently, ask different questions, use different words, you know, show up in a way so that uh, they can stay in conversation. You know, what adjustments do we need to make so that we can stay connected? Because I don't know about you, but, you know, staying connected is not easy. It's not easy. And so we get to, be, we're the adults, right? We kind of get to lead and model to them what healthy relationships look like, what great conversations look like. Mm. So when we look at the, ch let's say, and you mentioned the choice of, of words, the choice yes. of language, I guess you could even say the relatability. When you're talking to a teenager or to a young adult, I think in some cases, perhaps the, the language used or the meaning of the words mm -hmm. might have a little bit of a difference mm -hmm. than perhaps our own experience as the adults. Mm -hmm. So, yes. so how, do, how do parents adapt to that as you see it? Yeah, and I think that is um, important to adapt. And honestly, with it with both of us right even with us the words that we use have different meanings because we bring our experiences we bring um you know our our history our filters to any relationship honestly and that's how we see the world and so what i encourage parents or anyone to do is to really what um i call like double click on what they're saying you know tell me more about what that means what does that mean to you because here's what it means to me but what does it mean to you and I mean I've had these conversations with my daughter she's like well I didn't mean that that's not what I thought or and so it's so important to dig down a little bit to kind of figure out what do they really mean so how do you dig down effectively without getting the dreaded oh mom <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When you figure that out, let me know. Um, so, well, I mean. That's the, that's the second book, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the second book. And, and that is really a good question. And believe me, I don't have this figured out yet. I mean, I'm still in process with my own kids, right? Experimenting and trying things. And, you know, I think that really you have to lean on the Holy Spirit. You have to lean on the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you to know, you know, what do I say? Do I say it? Do I, am I, uh, you know, should I be quiet? I, I thought to myself the other day when I go out and speak and share, I'm actually going to give away duct tape, Bob. <laughs> because, you know, there are those moments where we really just need to listen, right? Or, um, you know, if we do need to dig down, again, we need to be humble, you know, I'm sorry, I really don't get what you're saying. So could we talk about it later? You know, maybe you don't want to talk about it now because timing is everything. So maybe it's not a good time. Maybe it's a different time. And maybe the next time, take them to their favorite coffee shop. Take them out to lunch. I don't know what mm. that looks like, but the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you as to what you should do. Patty Reed here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find her at patty, P-A-T-T-I, Reed, R-E-E-D, dot net.
This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. When you go to the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. Also through that homepage, there are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcasts feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community that is updated weekly. Also, there's The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, the founding and senior pastor of Seven Hills Church, a multi-site congregation in the Cincinnati area, Marcus Meekum, in advance of the commemoration of Halloween, discussed the illustrated message featuring multimedia elements called Haunted House that he delivered at the church in October of 2021, examining the nature of evil from a biblical perspective. From that Meeting House conversation, this is Marcus Meekum now. Just as God had to place guards in front of each gate into his house, uh, the wisdom of making sure that we have watchmen, that we watch the eye gate, the mouth gate, and the ear gate is essential um, to keeping the enemy out. Well, you said that up very, very well. So let's talk about, you, you mentioned the watchmen at these three gates, again, the eyes, ears, and mouth. So take us through some steps or strategies, if you would, by which people can actually guard these three gates of their homes. Sure. So we we use this, the, you know, the, the setup scripture for, for this was in Leviticus. And when the children of Israel, of course, they, they came out of Egypt, they survived the wilderness, they moved into Canaan, and they were conquering cities and taking territory, moving into houses that they did not build and houses that were occupied many times by people that uh, worshiped other gods, false gods. And they started to notice in these homes that uh, it was like a mold-like substance was growing on the walls of the homes. It was causing the people to, to get sick. These families were, many of them even, um, dying as a result of what they thought was a mold. And what they came to find out was what they thought was the natural mold was actually uh, had a spiritual uh, root to it. And the priest discovered that inside of the walls and the foundations of these homes, uh, the previous occupants had put in, had, they had placed and buried and hidden uh, idols and false gods. And so the instructions were, if you see this mold, that has uh, green and red streaks in it, if you see that in the walls of the home, then you are to invite the priest to come over to your house and to help you. He would have the family um, take a seven-day break period. Uh, he would go in. He would, they would tear out the walls. They would remove all the idols from the foundation, and they would put new walls on then the high priest would sprinkle uh, blood of a sacrificed animal um, throughout the home 
and after a certain period, you pronounce the, the home clean. And the whole the whole point of it is, you know, a lot of the lot a lot of problems in our homes that we think are natural, you know, like we just we're angry or we just don't get along or, um, you know, we just have a bad history or, you know, we're just struggling. It maybe is a natural problem. And you can look at other people and say, well, everybody has these problems, but those problems can become spiritual. And a lot of our families are being destroyed because of that. And so, uh, of course, you have the eye gate, the mouth gate, the ear gate, and the thing we have to watch, you know, what we look at, we have to watch what we say, we have to watch what we listen to. But in this text in Leviticus, it says that they couldn't handle it alone. They weren't to handle it. They were to invite the priest in. And in the same way we can invite maybe a wrong spirit, a demonic spirit, into our homes, we can also, according to this text, you know, Jesus is our high priest, and we can invite him into the home. So the message was not just about, hey, you know, all the evil that's happened in our homes. It was about the answer, the solution, and that is, hey, you know, God wants us to invite him into our home. He wants us to invite him into the hard places of our life. And he wants us to invite him in. He's not afraid of, of the, the things that are hurting the family. He's not afraid of the evil that's growing inside of the family. He's not afraid of the hurt and the pain. But the only way it can be fixed is if we don't keep him out, but we've got to invite him in. And so... Um, so the, the high priest would, would, would do that. He would remove all the idols. He would remove, you know, all the, the, the mold in the home and give it a breathing period, just give it a space of time. And, uh, and, and then, of course, the family could move back in and, and live a life of peace. And that that's ultimately what God wants to do. We'll invite him in. He can help us clean out our homes. He can help us clean out the, the pain and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. He can, he can help us clean it out. And, uh, but we're, we're not called to do it alone. We're not called mm-hmm. to do it without him. Um, we, we, need, we need his divine assistance to, to overcome some of the things the enemy is, is um, doing in our homes. Marcus Meekum here on The Intersection. The church's website is sevenhills, the number seven, followed by the word hills, dot TV. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Christian musical artist and adoptive parent Jennifer Shaw, who shared some aspects of the adoption journey that she, her husband, and their biological children went through in bringing three adoptive children into their home. She also discussed the children's book, Dumplings Mean Family, which she wrote and her daughter, Renna, illustrated, that explores content related to adoption. Here now from that conversation is Jennifer Shaw. I had been asked, you know, for years, um, after bringing the kids home, I blogged, you know, our whole adoption journey. I was blogging, and everyone was saying, you know, when are you writing the book? When are you writing the book? But as I have gotten older and gotten a little bit more mature and also just thought about this from my kids' perspective, I'm like, wait a minute, like, my kids have some really tough things in their history and everything I'm telling you about them has been cleared by them. I always say, you know, this is, this post has been approved by Noah or whatever. Um, But you realize there are some things in their history that they don't really want out in the big world. And um, that is, you know, it's a hard line to walk when your mom is a public speaker. You know, it's just like being a pastor's kid, you know, do you want to (laughs) be the sermon illustration every day? You know, 
No, you don't. And so with our kids, especially considering their history, I was just like, you know, my top priority has to be that they feel safe in my home and safe with me as their mother and safe to know that, that their privacy is going to be respected. And um, so I knew, I, I mean, it became quite clear to me that I was never going to be able to write that book, you know, that that wasn't my place. While it's my story, it's also their story. And, um, and without, you know, that buy-in, that just wasn't the right um, the right thing to do. And so, I, but I was asking the Lord, you know, I'm like, I'm frustrated because I feel like there could be, I know our story could help other kids find families. And I know that our story could help people. Um, I feel right now our, our nation is so divided and so fractured. And, and really the theme of this is that people don't have to be the same to love each other. You know, that's really the theme of this whole book. And as I was thinking about this and praying about this, I just had this idea about a kid's book. And I was like, wait a minute, we could make a book for families about families. They can read it together. We can hit some of these major themes, but without going into real private mm. or personal details that my kids would object to. And it could be beautiful. And then here I have my oldest daughter who was at the time finishing her degree in illustration. That's kind of lucky. And Okay, we you, I said that sarcastically. Um, but, you know, well, what a coincidence, God, you know. And so I said, I went downstairs, and they were actually my uh, my three youngest were the first I asked. I said, I had this idea. It would feature you guys. What do you think about it? And they thought it was a fantastic idea. And I, I told them my story idea. I said, this is what I'm thinking it'll be. And they're so proud of it. They're so cute. They're like, this is our book. It's our book. And so it was just and now to see where the Lord is taking it and it's opening doors for conversations that I love the conversations, you know, just talking about, you know, we don't go into big depth, but just to have a book that says, oh, I was adopted when I was nine. Well, you have to have a conversation then about what is adoption or why would anyone need to be or where are, you know, are there different ways to make a family? There are valid ways to make a family. Um, can you come from another culture and, and how does that change your family? You know, the, the idea that we didn't want our kids, our kids didn't have to come and just become exactly like us. Our kids came and so our family is different and that's good and that's better. We're better with them in it. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that is what they bring from their culture and from their history and their past, you know, it's all part of our family. And so, um, yeah, that was where it came from. And, and, um, it was a, a beautiful thing that came out of COVID, which was a terrible time. And it's just fun, fun to watch where God's taken it. And your daughter, Rena is the illustrator for the book. And that's something that she's wanted to do. God provided the opportunity for her to be part of it as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny. I'm so proud of her. She, she has um, many styles that she does and, She's actually won several awards over the years um, for different, for oil painting and for, you know, illustration, all these things. She has lots of styles, but there was one style she had, she had done a, you know, a couple comic shorts in. And when I thought of this book, like I immediately saw it in that style in her art. And I went to her and I said, what do you think this? And, and it was just a dream 
to uh, collaborate with her. That was Jennifer Shaw here on The Intersection. You can find her website at jennifershaw.com. You can learn more about the book at dumplingsmeanfamily.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There are also links to the podcast to the Media Center as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Three, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the Fall 2021 Christian Product Expo near St. Louis. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.